Have a seat if you haven't already. Good morning to you. I'm Craig Cheney, just joining the worship team to offer you the offer of Jesus to all of us, this wide open invitation to a living relationship with Him. And we gather in His name. We have proclaimed it's Jesus first in all things, and we're learning how to live into that. None of us have that dialed in and figured out, but that's part of what we get to do as a community together. We're in this series, New Thing, a Heartland Manifesto. If you're just jumping in, we're about halfway through that series, and the focus of our series is to understand who are we and who is God calling us to be? Why are we here? What purpose do we serve? And then ultimately, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? This how we do this is also represented by what we call our values. And our values here are, are simple and straightforward. want to offer them to you, and then as Tom Bronner comes later this morning, he'll be offering some pictures and stories that help these come to life. But our values include cultivating honesty, a recognition that when we hear from God what God has to offer, He's calling us in our hearts to a place of honesty about that. And it's in that place of honesty He does this changing work in us to begin to eliminate some of the dishonesty we've been living with, some of the lies we've been living with, lies about ourselves or about others or about life, and they get replaced with truth. And that brings life, renews life, cultivating honesty, practicing hospitality, the ability to offer who I am and what I have to others in such a way that they have access to me and in so doing have access to Jesus. It's our way of being Jesus who was super hospitable. I don't know that you could pull it off. I couldn't. But his ability to provide food just in the moment. There's a story of him having just a few food items and feeding thousands. Uh, that isn't what happens in my house. I don't know about yours. But it usually takes a little more preparation and planning. But it's an orientation of life to practice hospitality, to be a person who offers access so that people have access to Jesus. And then develop holistically is another value, which means we want to know why we're here personally. What, what is my design and my wiring and what is my purpose and then how do I get after that? That's a whole person orientation. And then last, have fun. We want to have fun doing that. Is life serious and heavy? Certainly in this season it is, but we, we have the joy of Jesus with us. We get to have fun in the midst of difficulty and hard times. So those are our values. And whether you're here personally, as you are here now on site, or you're online, our desire is that today we get a chance to live into those things and to experience them becoming alive in us so that how we do a Jesus first life has those marks and those characteristics. These things ultimately come out in our conversations, in how we talk. They come out in our, our conduct the way we live, and they come out in our community, how we do relationships. And to live out this Jesus first life, we've never been asked to do it alone. It's not in our own strength. We've been empowered by God to live out this life, and He's directed us to live it out in community. We get to do this with each other. And as we do it together with one another, we gain the strength of each other, walking in the same direction. We get to live out these values in community. We have a community rally we're headed for November 1st. We're going to experience some of that right here on our Sunday morning service, in our Sunday morning services, but we're going to experience it Sunday evening, November 1st, from 7 to 8.30. And you can do that gathering as a community rally here, right in this room, or you can do it online. And we're working to provide on-site and online interactivity so that we have this community feel across our Heartland family. But on that evening, we're going to give focus to 
where we're going. And we're really looking forward to that. I want to encourage you, make that a mark on your own calendar. Plan to be a part of it again, on campus or online, either one, that'll work. You know, it's fall. Did you discover that this morning? My wife is looking at me right now wondering, why am I wearing a short sleeve shirt? Well, I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt because I'm looking back at the beauty we've had. Hasn't it just been stunning? It's been beautiful, right? You'd agree with that, right? I think you'd agree with that, right? Yes, I think you... And I'm looking forward to the forecast there's going to be warmer temperatures this week, right? So I'm standing in between. This is the hope gap right here between what we've enjoyed and where we're going, so I'm celebrating with short sleeves. I hope you have a way of celebrating the fact that God is active and alive in every season, and He's doing so in this season, demonstrating that He's very much alive. We're celebrating that this morning. Our values proclaim that. The message of today proclaims that. So join me in welcoming Tom Bronner as he comes to bring the Scriptures to us this morning. Tom? Hey, everybody. We doing okay? Yeah. Hey, it's great to see you here. And, um, and it's just, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to be here to talk about the things that I've been asked to talk about. And, uh, and, and, and that, of course, as Craig mentioned, is, uh, is our values. And the cool thing about this is that it has allowed me the opportunity to reflect on what the values have been across the years uh, at Heartland. And it's amazingly consistent, the things that, uh, that rise to the top. Uh, I've been around 26 years. And so uh, when you're around a place that long, you notice a bunch of stuff. And the things that always rise to the top are the things that mo- become the most consistent and the truest things uh, about a community. And I just wanna share some of those with you. Um, uh, The probably preeminent over everything is the fact that the furthest out person has always mattered most to us. The person that uh, has no idea that they have a need for God in their lives, or they do have an idea, but feel like they're not worthy of him. The least, the lost, the lonely, the last, all of those words are what our heart has always beat for. God, would you bring us those people has been our prayer over the years, that we might create a place where that person can come feel welcomed, feel like they belong, and have an unhurried opportunity to consider the life of Jesus and what he might mean to them. It's been the truest thing about us over all those years. The importance of relationships. Do you know we've only had one mode of marketing in 33 years, and that is personal invitation. We want to invite our friends 
who don't know Jesus or who want to grow in Jesus to come and experience this with us. Um, the other thing is just the centrality of, of Jesus. You know, he has always been our hero, will always be our hero, and is also the hero of the story that we're going to read from the scriptures today. Um, the preeminence of the scriptures also has been one of our bedrock values. And, you know, the other things that I've enjoyed um, when I think about worshiping at Heartland and experiencing teaching at Heartland, um, uh, I guess I would say it this way. There's always been a beauty in the artistry of those who lead us in the worship experience. And through that, their passion for Jesus just comes through boldly. When I think of the teaching over the years, 33 years, true then, true today. It's the, wow, I felt like that person was speaking just to me kind of teaching. Those are the things that my wife and my family and I have loved the most about Heartland, and it's been fun to reflect on those things. And, you know, another reason it's been important is because, you know, these aren't easy times we're living through right now individually as families, as a church. And sometimes when things are difficult, we focus solely on the challenge. And we can often lose the story of the beauty that has been, that continues to be, and that will be uh, in our future. So it's been a real reminder of the things that can continue to make me and us uh, hopeful. But hey, um, before we move on, uh, just a word about values, uh, kind of what they are. And if uh, I, I was thinking, here's how I would define this. They're, they're simply the things that are most important to us. They're the priorities and the behaviors that shape who we are. They determine the depth of our character. Um, they determine the consistency of our conduct and the beauty of our ideals. Um, they drive us, they define us, they guide us. They are both who we are and who we are becoming. It's kind of how we go about doing what we do. And we're going to read a story uh, in, in the life of Jesus where we're actually going to take a look at uh, the values that are operating in his life. And, and by the way, you don't need to have ever articulated your values or intentionally, um, um, you know, uh, live them out. But they are operating in you right now. They are the most important things to you. The only question is, do you like where they're taking you? And do you like who they're making you? And so we call this into question because we want to embrace the kind of values that help us live that Jesus first life. But um, uh, first, I want to tell you a story about a little boy. First day of kindergarten, um, the teacher had everyone draw a picture uh, about anything. They could draw a picture about anything they wanted. And it was a way to kind of get the, uh, the kids talking. So as she walked around the room, she noticed this one little boy hadn't started drawing yet. He was just kind of thinking. And uh, she goes over to him and she goes, well, uh, what, what are you going to draw a picture of? 
He thought for a minute, he goes, um, he answered, he said, I'm gonna draw a picture of God. And the teacher just gently said, but no one knows what God looks like. And he said, well, they will in a minute. (laughs) And the confidence of children in who God God is is just amazing. Well, um, so um, you don't know what God looks like. Well, you're gonna know in a minute because um, uh, he paints a beautiful picture of who he is in the life of Jesus. We read it in the scriptures. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So we look at that person, we look at that life, and we see that Jesus explains God. Jesus demonstrates God. If you're a student of theology, Jesus exegetes God, makes him known, brings him down to the kitchen table to a place we can understand and touch and interact with. So as I read this story, uh, it's a beautiful reminder of the heart of Heartland, the heart of God, and I believe the heart that he wants to form in each of us. We find it really in three places uh, in, the, in, in the Gospels, and I've kind of combined the language to give us a representative look at all the aspects of this story. It goes like this. When he came down from the mountainside, Jesus, that is, large crowds followed him. He was one of the town, in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. He was covered with a mass of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he came and knelt before him. He fell with his face to the ground and he begged him and said, Lord, if you want to, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus the Bible said, was moved with compassion in that moment. And he reached out his hand and he placed it on the leper and he touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured of uh, that horrible disease. So what values do we see operating in Jesus? I'm just gonna just name a couple of quick ones and then we're gonna focus on one in particular. But one was just the value he placed on an individual life. The value of the person. Uh, Honoring the importance, the dignity, and the sacredness of this man in this story. The second one I noticed was just focused attention. You know, Jesus knew one thing about love, that the beginning, the first act of love was the giving of attention. When we point our attention and make someone the object of our focus, it imputes a value that is felt in the heart and the soul. We can never underestimate the power of being seen, being felt, 
being understood. The third value is just probably the most scandalous in this passage, and it is meaningful physical touch. A willingness to relate in proximity proximity and physically with this man who was suffering from leprosy. Why was it scandalous? It was against the law to touch a leper. It was against the law for a leper to be this close to a healthy human being. You know, a word about this disease is that it was a disease of incredible isolation, incredible alienation. Folks that suffered from this disease were separated from folks that were healthy. In fact, interestingly, they had to stay a distance of two meters from anyone who didn't have leprosy. You know what two meters is? It's about six feet. They had to announce that they were unclean when anyone ever approached them. And lastly, they were separated out in their living only allowed to live with other lepers, separated from family, separated from friends. It was an incredibly isolating disease. It was lonely, it was painful, it was terminal. Now, I remember a lady uh, in our church in Fort Worth, uh, her name was Lucy McClendon, and I wanna take just a second to share her story. Some of our younger leaders worked in a restaurant as servers And one of their friends had a mom who had cancer. And this cancer had gotten so, it had progressed to a degree that she was no longer comfortable leaving her home. And that is because a cancer which started in the cheekbone had grown into a literal football-sized tumor on the side of her face. And she was embarrassed and ashamed to go out. So our younger leaders told this friend of theirs, your mom would be comfortable and safe at our church. You see, the thing she hated the most is that she couldn't uh, go to church. She couldn't see her clients anymore. She was a gifted therapist. And these leaders said, she will be accepted and loved at our church. And lo and behold, one day, Lucy, without her daughter, she worked on Sundays, by herself, walked into our church. And you know what? This young group of leaders were ready for her. They'd been longing for this day. They'd been anticipating this day. They'd been praying for this day. And Lucy walked in. When she took a seat over by herself, they were just on her. And it was really beautiful. And uh, we prayed for her after the service. And for a year, we continued with her in this group of younger leaders they would pray for her and we would gather around her. We would worship over her and we were asking God to heal her. 
And though she experienced a lot of healings during that year, we didn't get the one that we wanted the most. And it was always, I always thought about the conversations we had had. She goes, you know, the hardest thing about carrying this tumor around was how people responded to me, how they treated me. They would never look, look me in the eyes. If they saw me coming, sometimes they would just alter their route to avoid me completely. And no one ever, ever spoke to me. She said this, I felt like a leper. You know, this man, he knew how bad his problem was. He knew that everyone had given up on his condition as being hopeless. And do you know there are people that we encounter every day that carry this same burden and feeling. They wonder if they lo they're loved, they wonder if they're liked, they're one they wonder if they're noticed. Often they feel avoided. But here in the story we see Jesus making space for this man to have access to his life. He had no promise that Jesus would even stop, let alone heal him. He had no one who would have taken him to see Jesus. He scandalously broke the law in order just to be in his presence. And what does Jesus do? He stops everything he's doing to make space for this man and the connection relationally. The crazy thing, this, this picture, this condition of leprosy is also a model in the scriptures as the condition of sin that affects all of us. You see, it's also a disease that is debilitating. Its effects are contagious and unrelenting. They separate us from a God who loves us and wants to touch us in the places that we hurt the most. But Jesus stopped, and when he healed this man, something was happening in the heavenly realm that we couldn't see. Something was happening in the heavenly realm alongside of what was happening in the physical realm. This man's problem was being solved. And all of our problem was being addressed by Jesus creating a path back to God. Well, at any rate, the one value that makes all these other values possible was this one. And it's where I just want to camp. And it's that it was the pace of Jesus' life. The pace of his life that was unhurried and unforced. He wasn't in a hurry. 
he had time to focus his attention. He had time to connect. He had time to love. You know, um, I don't know about you, but some of my worst moments occur when I am in a hurry. And you know what? There is nothing that is done in hurry that can't be done better without it. The pace at which our culture lives its lives, its collective life, is one that does not allow room for God, for one another, and for ourselves often. The high cost of hurry is that we miss God. We miss those more, most important to us. We miss our own lives. We miss what's going on around us. Yeah, the, there's this old African saying that was invoked at the end of a long travel day. We must stop now so that our souls can catch up with our bodies. They knew that reflective living was important. You know, we have to live our lives forward, but we can only understand them backwards. We have to stop, and we have to look, and we have to listen. Dallas Willard, uh, a renowned uh, philosopher, theologian, the father of uh, the modern spiritual formation movement, you know, learning how to allow God to conform us to the image of Christ for the sake of others. He was asked this question, if you could only give one piece of advice for the spiritual pursuit, for the spiritual life, what is the one thing you would say to people that want to know God personally and deeply. And his answer was simple and it was profound. He said, it's this, to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Because God's pace is different than ours. To come alongside the good, slow work of God means that we have to slow down as well. He would go on to say that God didn't create hurry, by the way. There's, there's a quote uh, in this book called The Three Mile an Hour God uh, I want to share with you. And it says this, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has a speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed for which we're accustomed. It is slow, yet it is lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. Jesus lived his life at the speed of love. You know, there's a reason that people talk about walking with God versus running with God, right? And it's interesting that when the Apostle Paul defines love, the first descriptor he uses is the word patient. If we want to encounter God, we need to make space for that relationship. We need to unhurry our lives 
so that those around us who notice God in us and want to be closer to us for that reason have an opportunity to actually know us. We need to build space to make relationships so Jesus can be shown and known. You know, Jesus encourages to be like children. And uh, one of the reasons, I think, is because of this. Those of you who have kids know this and could possibly be frustrated by it. (laughs) I didn't get it when my kids were little, but it's this. Our kids live their lives at the speed of exploration and discovery. We adults live our lives at the speed of efficiency. My daughters would always indicate, you walk too fast, your legs are a lot longer than ours, your steps are bigger, we can't keep up with you. It's because I was living my life at the speed of efficiency. And you know, the downside of that is if we live only at that speed, we will never experience wonder. We will never experience awe. It's because we just simply won't have time for it. I want to share a story about a man who slowed his life way down. And um, this could possibly be Uh, the most dramatic story I've ever heard regarding an intentional relational hospitality where someone literally saw their lives existing for other people. I can't read this story about the leper without thinking of a young Belgian priest by the name of Father Damien who chose a volunteer assignment to live for a month on an island where there was a leper colony. You see, in the then kingdom of Hawaii in 1865, there was an outbreak of leprosy. And an act was created called the Act of the, uh, to Prevent the Spread of Leprosy. And everyone that had leprosy, 600 at that, in that first uh, in that first wave, were taken to this island, let off the boat literally without even making uh, the shore. And they just had to jump off the boat and go figure out how to live their lives. Well, the missionaries had just come to the island and uh, this this one man, Father Damien, uh, volunteered for a one-month-long assignment over there. And he was told, don't touch a single person, don't eat anything that you haven't prepared yourself, and uh, we promise we'll have you back in Honolulu in a month. Well, after three days there, he declared that he was never coming home. And so I, I, we have a couple of pictures for you just to, just to take a look at uh, a young Father Damien at age 33 and an older Father Damien just before his death, 16 years later at age 49. 
in those 16 years, he taught Jesus to the people of the leper colony. He organized leaders to build roads and houses and schools and initiated a farming initiative. He raised awareness and raised money for this colony of outcasts. He gave them emotional, spiritual support. He shared the pipe with them. He ate poi together with them, with his hands. And it's interesting, in that picture, you saw the beautiful shore of Hawaii. That was the view from the leper colony. And it's amazing how something so horrific can be happening in a place that's so beautiful. Upon his decision to stay, I want to read this verbatim. Uh, He was introduced as one who will be a father to you and who loves you so much that he does not hesitate to become one of you, to live with you and to die with you. He wrote a letter to his brothers and said, I will be with the lepers. I will become one of the lepers that I might love them uh, to Jesus. But even more radical than that, was the move that God made in our direction in Jesus. Show you one more verse. And it says that the word, meaning God, became human and made his home among us. This was the most radical, most revolutionary act of initiating hospitality the relational kind that the world will ever see. God becoming one of us to live with us, to die for us, that we might know the God of the universe, the creator king, who imagined and in his artistry created each of us. God made space to invite relationships to make Jesus first. And that's the opportunity we have in our lives as well with those around us. So as we go from here, my challenge is this. Um, Slow your life down. Pay attention to people that we come in contact with. Do you know, I can't even estimate in a given day how many people serve us as individuals, whether we go to a store or a gas station, you know, in all of our lives, we are served all day long by people who too often just remain faceless to us. What would it be like to offer a little pause? To remember that every human life is sacred and maybe take a moment to focus a little attention, remembering that the first first act of love is always giving attention.
and just saying a word of kindness, affirmation, or thanks. Let them know that you know that they're human, that they matter. Father Damien said, no matter what the outside world says to you people, God will forever and always see you as precious in his delight. So that's my challenge. Can we walk through our lives with an unhurried pace and let everyone we touch touch us in some way that they might encounter God in the process, even when no words are spoken. Well, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for all the bold moves you make in our direction. May we follow suit. May we possess your heart, slow down our lives, that we might experience you, that we might experience those you put around us, that we might experience ourselves. Father, help our souls catch up with our bodies. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.